Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Erin Pym. And what I like to do here on the pod is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to talk about sex and sexuality with me. However, today I'm doing a little something different. I thought I would um, put off an interview for another week and instead give you a little, a little peek behind the curtain into um my patreon that's right people the bedpost patreon um i do like little solo episodes like half hour solo episodes i do audio erotica um and then of course pics and videos but um yeah i thought i would give a preview both of like one of the 30 minute solo episodes and then also one of the audio erotica so in part one you've got one and then part two you've got the other so the um first part (laughs) i don't know why i struggled with that um the first half of the episode so this is a patreon episode i recorded a few months ago so it's fairly recent actually Um, and by the way, the Patreon, uh, episodes are, there's more than a hundred solo episodes of me talking about like, just like dating adventures in my personal life. And then also, um, I talk in, uh, quite, quite a lot of detail about like some of the, um, more memorable, I'll say, um, BDSM sessions that I facilitate, um, in my work as a dominatrice. So the episode that I am previewing for you today, I'm talking about like a bunch of different work things that I got up to um, over the course of like a busy week. So that's the first thing you're hearing. And I do hope you enjoy. Without further ado, here is a sneak preview behind the curtain into the Bedpost Patreon. Enjoy. Lovely Patreon listeners, and welcome to episode 111. 111, baby. This week, I thought I would talk about some fun, predominant things that I've been doing uh, because there has been a bunch. I just had a super busy week after what felt like a bit of a slow spell for about a month. And then suddenly tons of things were happening. When I was kind of slow, when I say slow, I mean like in-person sessions at Ritual Chamber. I have other work that I was kind of doing at the time. I actually was just doing tons of consulting work, like kink kink consults, talking to new providers, like new professional doms um, or people considering it. Um, doing some consults with clients as well to kind of talk about just kind of like kink coaching a little bit 
and uh and then and then a bunch of sessions and then a big kink consulting day where I was actually on set of a uh a series that was being shot. So I had a full day on set where I was doing um, kink consultation because the content that day was, you know, there was a character that was a dominatrix and they were in a dungeon and they were doing kinky shit. So I thought I would talk about all of this. And, and the busy week that I got back, um, lots of sessions in RC. The one that stands out for me will always be a duo. So I had a lovely duo with uh, goddess Freya Faye, my lovely friend, um, who uh, I'm featuring her on the podcast, the regular podcast, actually, this week. And there's a cute video of us chatting about some sessions that I'm going to put on the Patreon as well. So um, just the other day, we had a duo with someone that we had sessioned with once before and loved them like just had so much fun it was we were we kind of talked about this um we talked about the first scene we did with this person on this little video that you're gonna see but essentially it was like we hit this like grounded energy this like kind of quiet um energy which is not always easy to do in a duo because you're just so excited to be with each other and sometimes things get energetic um and I think we've duoed with each other enough times that like we you know we can settle a bit which is nice so this first session with this client it felt really grounded and settled and we were really able to lean into these like calming sensual sensation moments and so they booked us again and um it was it was similar energy and they wanted similar energy they had like said how much they enjoyed it last time and um just kind of up the intensity you know this time and uh we absolutely up the intensity so basically they like to get in a cute little feminine outfit and um their their kind of subby persona is like a little kitty um a little feminine kitty basically and like they've got the cute little paws um they wear a cute dress they've got the little ears they wear a wig um usually some like pink on the eyeshadow which is so cute so a bit of makeup as well and um yeah the first time um there was like a breastplate this time they didn't wear it um so we got to play with the 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 real titties the factory installed titties which was fun and um yeah we were pretty sensual last time um this time we were sensual but we added like some more intense pain stuff so like we went in on the impact play this time um we did like on the bum, we like did warm up obviously with like our hands, um, and then moved up from there to try like a few implements. Um, and I think the last implement that we did was like this, it's a plastic 
strap, basically, it's really quite nasty and it almost always leaves marks. So, um, that was all on the table and we wanted intense. So I was like, I'm going to finish with this. I'm going to finish with this. And, um, we didn't go too, too hard. Um, but then when we start doing the impact play on the back, I went, I went pretty hard, I will say, which is great. We, and we got some like kind of speckled marks on the back. Um, we did like some flogging we were like alternating back and forth and, um, there's like a lot of encouragement throughout this, um, throughout all the pain stuff as well. Um, so when one of us was doing pain stuff, the other one was kind of like stroking their hair and calling them a good kitty and whispering in their ear and giving sensual touch on other parts of their body while this was happening. But like on the back impact, like the back flogging, it's like, flogging and then I switched to this one implement that I really like to use that's like it's got like a long stiff handle and it's very whippy it's very like stingy it's a nasty little thing it's like long stiff handle and then it's got like maybe you know six tendrils at the end there and you can just really deliver the stingiest hits so like I I went pretty hard with that implement at the end and they had given us feedback at the end that like that was um that the, we hit the intensity part like the appeal for more intensity we hit that pretty much perfect we didn't get a yellow but like he was like yeah I was I was with that implement specifically he's like yeah that was like up there for me um so I was happy that we you know when he came back wanting more intensity we were able to deliver on that and yeah, he uh, also wrote a lovely um, testimonial. Thank you, which I'll read because why not? Um, and it'll give you an idea. Exactly. So it says, Dear Lady Pym and Goddess Freya, meow. It is with utmost gratitude that I write to thank you again. I love every moment of our time together. Every moment of our sessions have been nothing short of extraordinary. I sincerely want to thank you again for creating an environment in which I feel safe, understood, and delightfully powerless. Your control over every moment, every sensation is masterful. My goodness. The way you've given me a space to explore and play with all these feelings within myself is truly one of the greatest gifts you could provide. As for the session itself, wow. Bouncing between the delightful stings and the soft, caring whispers just left me in a state of euphoria for hours. It's, ex it's exactly what I needed and oh so much fun. I woke up this morning a little black and blue with a touch of pink for theming with the cat emoji because we are the pink, the dress was pink and part of the session was we want to make the bum pink, you know. Um, I'll be forever grateful to you both and I'm counting down the days until we can play again. So yes, all to say that we gave them a little something to remember us by, you know, that, that plasticky strap thing gave, gave some marks and we definitely like with that stingy flogger that I was using on the back, there were definitely some marks. So I'm sure those developed even more so, um, after they went home, sounds like it anyways. I had a fun, um, med fetch one as well. I got to do the needles. Um, I always love doing needles and it's not super often that I get to do it. Um, so I had someone come in. They're very funny. Um, 
and cute. So there was some like nice banter there. Um, but we did like sounding and this person was like a sounding pro, like they bottomed out on the rods, like the, the regular rods, you know, usually there's like a sounding rod. That's kind of a plug that's, um, that you can put in and it's, you know, a kind of a stopper on the end of it. But like, they were pretty easily bottoming out on just the regular sounding rods. Um, pretty impressive. And we got up to a pretty big gauge. Um, it was only an hour and a half, so we didn't have time to like, we could have gone bigger as far as the gauge on those. But like, I was just so impressed that like the, um, also the, the, wanting to bottom out on them. He's like, I think we can go a bit further. And I was like, really? Okay. I mean, great. Let's do it. Um, so that was fun. And then needles was a uh, first time for them, but they seemed really good on them. We just did like five, you know, on the balls area, five on like the upper thigh kind of or inner thigh, I should say. And then five, like, kind of underneath the balls in that area. So 15 total. Again, we, he probably, he definitely could have done more, but just with the timing, you know, and also it being a first time, that was good. And we were both happy with that. I think he definitely got some like needle euphoria at one point, I think where, um, you know, it's med fat and stuff like that. So he's like, did you drug me with something? You know, because he's like, I'm feeling this like euphoric feeling, which was great. I love when somebody gets needle of euphoria. It's really awesome. And, um, yeah, it was a fun role play. It was like this, uh, castration role play, you know, and SPH could be part of it. And like humiliation surrounding like, why, you know, the balls have to come off. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was like very much the slant of like, you know, how when you sleep with women, they're always disappointed and you have to go through, you know, the stress of like, um, showing them your terrible dick and balls. And, uh, well, you know what, let's just, um, let's just say you're not going to have to worry about that anymore. You know, we're just going to take it all off. (laughs) You're never going to have to be put in that position again. It's going to be a lot easier for everyone involved if we just take this terrible package just completely out of existence. No one's ever going to have to see it again. And that's for the good of humanity. (laughs) Which is funny. Which is fun. Um, What else? Oh, figging happened with that. So, um... Oh, so there's somebody new that's uh, working admin for Ritual Chamber, and um, they're doing such a good job with it. Um, They're doing, like, booking and uh, some, like, managing of the space and stuff. So, like, they gave me a booking for, they're like, this person's interested in doing figging, they just told me. So they went and dropped off a piece of ginger, like, in the mailbox of RC for me. Like, I could have just picked it up on the way to work. But, like, that was so kind and thoughtful. And I was like, oh, my God, you're really going the extra mile here. Like, they, so they got me a piece of ginger. It was right in the mailbox, brought it in, and um, we carved up a little, a little butt plug out of it. And that was new to that person also. So, um, yeah, between all those activities I mentioned, that was... That more than filled the hour and a half. And uh, they're really fun, so I hope they come back. This is like, 
I was reflecting like they're like a small, small, funny man. And I was reflecting. I'm like, that is my favorite genre of client. I think it's up there. It's up there at least. (laughs) Small, funny guys. Come on in. I love you. Oh, and then I had um, my pup play regular comeback, which was great. He books like a full three hours and he wanted like this fun role play of like I was a cat and I captured the dog and, you know, I'm planning world domination and I've got a big plan to, you know, um, it was actually castration as well. It was like, we're going to fix all the dogs and then, you know, they'll be they won't be able to make any new puppies anymore. That was like the cats, the evil cats plan for world domination (laughs) and like capturing the dog and like trying to get him to talk. It was like an interrogation type thing. And, um, he was just like a dumb, a dumb dog that didn't know anything, didn't have any information. I'm just a good boy. I swear. And, um, at the end I pretended that I had gotten the wrong dog. Oh no, you are a good boy. Oops. Uh, and like part of the interrogation was like CBT was a good part of it tickling is always a big thing with this client so that was perfect within this role play he always leaves like if he books three hours I'm like okay we're dedicating like a good 45 minutes at least you know a good hour of that time is going to be just tickling um and uh there's going to be a video of that actually on the Patreon as well. So people get to see that. Oh, I had a therapist role play also. That was so fun. Um, this was another small, funny guy. <laughs> Love them. And these creative role play like premises is so fun. It was like he had like gone into the girl's locker room and hid in the janitor's closet and was spying on the girls like a pervert. And um, so for you know, I was the school therapist and I called him in and, um, we dressed him up like a little schoolgirl, you know, to see how it feels like, because he needed to learn empathy and stuff like this. Um, that was so funny. And, uh, impact play was a big part of that over the knee impact. Yeah. Over the knee spanking, um, was a big part of that. Feeling exposed was a big part of that. So we got, him in a bunch of like fun bondage positions in that little skirt and um and whatnot I, I just had a memory he um at one point looked in the mirror and you know he's in this little school school girl outfit a bound you know spread eagle or whatever and at one point there was a, he looked in the mirror and he just fully like broke character for a second and was like I just looked in the mirror and I just had like a, mo- a moment of clarity, you know, <laughs> it's like, what, what is my life? What am I doing with my life? What path, what path am I on? You know, doesn't seem, <laughs> seems bad. Which <laughs> <sighs> just so funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I love these kind of creative role plays. Um, It's just such a fun thing to add on to these activities, you know. And then, yes, okay, so this series that I've been consulting for, I did a few Zoom consults. It was mainly about the writing, and then they were only going to have me on set, like, for the one full day. So I was on call um, one day when they were shooting something, and then... 
Um, yeah, so I think we did like four consults virtually, um, and then the main day of filming. So, um, I really like the writers. They were really cool. They like really were interested in representing these characters like this dominatrix and the submissive and this guy that's kind of like coming into it, experimenting and seeing stuff for the first time. He wanted it, they, they all wanted it to feel really authentic, you know, um, even the actors on the day, the person playing the dominatrix is like, I, yeah, I, I want, like, they, they were all basically like, we want kinksters to be able to watch this and feel really good about it, you know, um, they don't want anything to feel like cringe as far as like, oh, we wouldn't do that, we wouldn't say that, um, or things being unsafe looking, or, um, any, anything like that, right, so I felt really, like, good about my contributions, and, especially with like the day of filming, like they were so grateful I was there, which felt really good. I felt like I really helped form, you know, this episode of this show. And, um, yeah, yeah, it was cool. I ended up knowing the person playing the submissive role, which is so funny. (laughs) Oh, and, um, yeah, I was also kind of playing a bit of the role of like an intimacy coordinator as well. Um, they had said that like, um, uh, you know, the, there's some people kind of doing two jobs on this day. So there was an intimacy coordinator, but she was acting as well. So, um, just for me to be aware of that, that I might have to provide support or whatever, if you don't see her kind of immediately doing so, cause she's trying to remember lines and all this stuff. So, um, yeah, I think it was, it was, uh, nice also like right when I got there like the two writers were like if you see anything that feels you know inauthentic to you like jump right in there you know what I mean like don't be shy to like be like hi can I make an adjustment please like just get right in there you know like the director would go in and be like hey we need a different whatever so that felt kind of cool um and I felt more confident doing that throughout the the shooting um yeah, things I adjusted were like, um, well, uh, I was part of the writing as well. And then I, so I sat down with the, the woman who was playing the dominatrix and we went through all the lines and she wanted just some clarity on some stuff and maybe she could kind of rephrase stuff to make it feel a little better. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that was nice because they, the writers were also not totally tied to the exact word by word script. So you could kind of just, um, say the gist of it, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, put your own, like if it's going to feel better in your mouth, then say it that way. Right. Which is really kind of the writers to do that. Um, and so she consulted with me beforehand to be like, you know, what's a different way I could say this? Or like, you know, how could this make more sense to me? Um, yeah. So we did that beforehand, which was really nice. And then, um, some of the first stuff was like, we had him bound on the St. Andrew's cross and they kind of didn't have the right cuffs. So I suggested an alternate, an alternate kind of way that he can be holding the chain or whatever. Cause they didn't have overhand cuffs. Um, 
of course she had to do some back flogging so we taught her you know how to do a figure eight pattern and wear on the back to stay away from um because you know people watching impact play a lot of people take stuff at face value you know they see it in a tv show and they think that that's the way to do it so if you're showing you know someone hitting the lower back or whatever you know lots of different safety stuff that can be shown in media it's like somebody can take that and just go start doing that so that's why it's important to kind of show a proper way to do it you know even though it was a comedy because it is a comedy so it's like okay let's both take care you know to make sure you know if if there's something happening that like is inauthentic to BDSM then there's got to be a foil to that of a another person um reacting in a way that's like that's not right you know what I mean so it can happen but it's got to be put in this container of like the audience is aware that this is not the way to do it and that's the joke or whatever um happens in the office a lot I'm a big fan of the office so like um a lot of people are like the office could never be be made nowadays and it's like well it could because you know the like the Michael character like he's a total just ignorant kind of a fool sometimes, you know, about a lot of different things. But what makes it okay is because you see the other actors responding in a way like it's not okay. So the audience knows the view of the show. You know very clearly that the stuff he does is not okay in the workplace. You know what I mean? So if you're presenting it in that way, then you can use stuff like that, um, for comedy's sake. So other things were just like intimacy coordinator stuff was just like making sure that you, I was available for questions, um, making sure specifically with the person that was playing the submissive, I was like, let us know the moment you feel any tingling, you know, or numbness in your hands. Cause they do a lot of takes of something and a lot of angles of the thing. So he can be on that St. Andrew's cross with his hands up for like a long time. And, um, I wouldn't leave someone up that long, you know, in a scene. So make sure they have, he has breaks to get the blood flowing. And, um, you know, he had a ball gag in at one point and he had a ball gag in and his hands were bound at one point. So it's like, okay, let's, can you snap, you know, with your fingers that, so that's your safe signal if you need your gag out at any time. Even deciding like what gag to use, what would feel more comfortable for him. At one point he needs to take a drink of water and the options were like, um, you know, a dog bowl or like this hamster bottle feeder um, thing, like that's on the side of a cage or whatever, which is so funny with the little ball in the end that they just lick and then the water comes out. <laughs> so it was like, both are funny you know, both are getting the point across. We're hydrating, which was just funny because the writers were like, we put this part in because of you. Because <laughs> like, you know, it shows caring for the submissive and they've got to stay hydrated and, you know, <laughs> which was cute. And then, you know, it was kind of up to that actor to be like, which would you feel more comfortable using? Um, and uh, he chose the little gerbil, the little <laughs> guinea pig, you know, rabbit feeder thing. <laughs> which is funny. Um, what's some other stuff I'm thinking of? Oh, just stuff that was like, uh, there's that one point where he's in a cage and they didn't lock it initially. 
and then they kind of leave the room and he's supposed to be stuck in this cage and I was like well we didn't lock the cage so he's not stuck in it he could just reach around and pull that pin and get out so if you want this gag to work where they they rush out of the room and then they've got to come back in and let him out you know it's got to be locked uh it's just like stuff like that where I was like this is weird like another thing was like he had a ball gag in his mouth but his hands weren't bound and he was kind of trying to talk through the gag a bunch and I'm like well, he could just reach up and take the ball gag out if something's truly wrong that he needed to, like, start talking in this moment. So it's like either he's got to be bound by the protocol or not realizing that it's the scene has stopped or or his hands need to be bound. Like he needs to be put in a position where he's not um, able to take the gag out himself for this joke to work. Another thing was, like, working with the submissive person playing the submissive role to like get some authentic sounding um emoting and like pleasure sounds while he was being flogged that was kind of fun because we were talking about like the mix of pleasure and pain and stuff and how you know it would hurt in the moment and then you do get those pleasure chemicals almost immediately so like if you're making pain noises and then as soon as she stops you have a pleasure noise you know what I mean um so that was kind of fun to work out. He was also very funny. It, it was uh, is a really good casting. Overall, everybody was really well, really well casted. Um, and yeah, oh yeah, at one point, like the dominatrix had him over kind of a spanking bench thing, and she was kind of talking to the other character. And I was like, what's going to make this feel authentic is like to see you in role giving the submissive pain stuff, but also to see you be intimate with this person in another way, because, you know, you wouldn't ha- if you didn't like him and care for him or whatever, you know, you wouldn't be playing with him. So it's just subtle little nuanced stuff. Like if you're talking to the other, other character, maybe you could pl- be playing with your submissive's hair while he's lying there or have your hand on his back or like just those those moments where um there's also those tone shifts um like there's a part of a little part of protocol where he brings the collar and she puts it on him at the beginning and I was like the way you talk to the third party guy explaining stuff and the way you talk to your submissive there's got to be like a tone shift there that's all the stuff I can kind of think um, off the top of my head, but I'm really excited. Um, like I got to, you know, um, see how, how it looked, you know, they've got all the monitors up and everything. There's like, it's a three camera setup, and like, I'm excited to see how they edit it together. But honestly, just seeing it on the monitors, like it looks so good. Um, it was also at the, uh, Super Wonder Gallery, which I am my, um, Christian who owns it I've produced shows in his space before he's at a new space now um, that I hadn't been to before but he was there so it was fun to see him and catch up but the the space they created like in the basement of Super Wonder Gallery they created this dungeon and like the kudos to everybody who put that room together it just looks so great on camera the colors like just popped and the lighting was so cool like because it was dark and you know it had that that dungeon-y vibe but like some shots were just they look gorgeous they're like side lit or backlit or whatever some really fucking talented people um on this set and like it's a big production they're like 
25 people, 30 people, you know, in the building making this all happen. So I was very pleased and honored to be one of them. But yeah, I'll let you know more details. Um, You know, it's kind of got to be on the hush hush right now until it's out. But I will let all of you know what it is and where you can tune in um, to see whether, you know, I made it feel as authentic as I think I did. (laughs) Anyways, I hope you enjoyed this episode, everyone. We'll see you next time with another lovely Patreon um, talking about my professional domination work or perhaps my personal dating stuff. So until then, thank you so much for being a Patreon member. I appreciate you and love you. Okay, see you next time. Bye. Post podcast is sponsored by Come As You Are. Founded as a worker-owned cooperative, Come As You Are has a fundamentally anti-capitalist and feminist approach to sexual pleasure, health, and education. Come As You Are doesn't profit from your pleasure and only stocks products that they truly love and believe in. Come As You Are has been voted best sex shop in Toronto since 1997. Check them out at comeasyouare.com or 254 Augusta Avenue in Toronto's own Kensington Market. We are also sponsored by Club M4 Toronto. Club M4 is the largest sexually charged lifestyle club in the GTA. And now you can go to their website, www.clubm4.com. If anything looks interesting and you want to check it out, head on down to Club M4 at 1989 Dundas Street, Mississauga. Alrighty, so for the second half, I have a sampling of the Patreon audio erotica that I do. Sometimes I write a story and then read it. Um, Sometimes people submit stories and I read them. Sometimes um, I just kind of, I go with a premise. So I actually usually get like a inspo word from from Twitter. Um, And then I just kind of put on the mic and improvise a story. Um, Sometimes there's like ASMR type stories that are also kind of sexy or kind of kinky. Um, so this one that I'm going to present is, uh, a custom story that I wrote. Um, and that happens a lot on the Patreon where I'll post like old custom videos or pick sets or, uh, stories. So I did audio erotica for this person. So this is like all completely catered to one person's, you know, interests, right? So, um, I'm pretty proud of this one. And, um, I wanted to give you a full hour episode still, even though it's like, um, you know, Patreon preview time. And this was one of the longer ones I did, but um, it's a little spicy for the main podcast feed. I'm not going to lie. But without further ado, this is a story that I called Assassinophilia. I hope you like it. Let me tell you about my friend Dick. Some might say that Dick has a death wish, 
see Dick die. But no, that's not exactly correct. Though he most certainly fantasizes about it on the regular, and in fact, it probably is at the top of his list as far as jerk-off material goes. His particular kink is technically called autosassinophilia, meaning that the subject is sexually aroused at the thought of being killed, or taunted about it, threatened, tricked into thinking that it might actually be in the cards. I met Dick for the first time at a sex club. I had the insider information that he inquired about bringing a set of high-quality knives into the space for a knife play scene, but was told to leave them at home. This aroused my curiosity in this man. Having a penchant for topping edge play, I thought that we could get into some serious trouble together. But not here. My play partners, or victims as I prefer to call them, deserve my absolute attention. I don't want to be distracted by some drunken 20-something asking if they can watch the scene, unless they allow me to thread 20-something needles into their flesh in return. So I settled in for the night to watch Dick's curly dark hair bouncing around the club out of the corner of my eye, see Dick play. I think he noticed me a couple times, staring menacingly his way. He must have. I felt very much like a predator, watching him silently from afar, and reveled in it. When he looked over, I did not smile. And if I did, it was probably a creepy one. His lips did curl into a smile at me, though, perhaps out of nervousness. Or maybe he didn't see me at all, because I was purposefully lurking in a dimly lit corner. I silently cursed my antisocial tendencies for not walking up and simply speaking to him when I had the chance. He seemed awkward, though, too, I noticed. A large figure, hard to miss, especially since he remained fully dressed in a suit jacket for his entire visit at the sex club. A little out of place, aren't you, Dick? He had a small harem of youngish women talking to him and keeping him entertained, women who I determined to be his submissives, or a fan club of sorts. Perhaps he's a little switchy. Perhaps he wants to get out of here. Perhaps he could be my next test subject. I suddenly picture him in my dungeon very vividly, attached to my table, writhing about while I do terrible things to him. I could feel myself getting aroused at the thought. Good thing I'm sitting on a towel. Dick has medical issues with his heart. See Dick's heartbreak. In fact, he suffered a heart attack in his early 20s and was fitted with both a pacemaker and an internal defibrillator. His healing journey is one where eroticizing his near-death experience was extremely helpful to his recovery, specifically fantasies that involved making his already weak heart stop. He was already turned on by all those superhero shows where the lead character is tied up by the evil villain and in desperate peril. And look at Dick now, requesting custom videos from dominatrices in which they threaten his life with pointy things. I asked around about the guy who wanted to bring knives into a sex club. Apparently he's from out of town. No shit. The city might have a sex club, but is nowhere near as open-minded as it should be around kink, especially edgy types of play, 
and especially in public places, like those involving heavy impact, needles, electrical devices, I would know. I get a last name and run home to Google him. Dick is not such easy, naive prey. It looks like he is a pretty well-known player in his city. His Twitter is littered with musings on kink, among other things, and he is switchy. I swoon a little. Now I wish to pick his brain on all the things he's into. There are some interesting ones. He has photo sets available for purchase, so I buy one. He's covered in tattoos and looks deliciously pathetic while a dom forces a sock into his mouth. I want to be that dom. I want to elicit those moans. I try to decide if I should masturbate now or after I see how long he's in town for. I bang one out real quick and hurriedly slide into his DMs before I lose my courage. Hey there, you don't know me, but I saw you tonight. I wanted to ask you about playing, but I didn't want to interrupt. Also, I'd prefer to do it privately anyway. By the way, I'm exclusively a top slash dominant and into e-stem, impact, needles, humiliation, golden, and folk worship to name a few. Give me a shout back if you're still in town and want some pickup play. You seem very interesting. So many parts of that sound weird. I think about adding more, but already feel like I could have edited myself. Perhaps I should come off more dominant, more direct. But you're not my sub yet, are you, Dick? Never start doming a stranger in your opening message. Major red flag. It's fine to be polite. Whatever. It's not like he's... My phone pings. Immediately, I get the sweats. I flap my shirt while opening up the response. Hi. That's cool. I totally get it. So, do you have a place to play? We arrange the scene to begin right when he walks in the door. Luckily, I have a basement entrance. Upon entering this door, you are basically in the middle of my dungeon setup. The negotiation of this scene was actually quite extensive, and took a lot of unpacking about his history to get me up to speed with the nuances he was looking for. This type of scene takes a lot of trust, and fully fleshed out consent. See Dick be safe. I was a little wary of doing this type of scene as pickup play, and I expressed my concerns. He validated them, and we further hashed out details. I have an extensive online presence as a dom that stretches way back, which helped him see me as someone who could facilitate such a session. And we had great texting chemistry and strong negotiation procedures. Maybe he felt like doing something a little crazy on his vacation. All I know is that he felt safe enough to move forward, and I agreed. Before I knew it, the doorbell was ringing. I look up from my phone from reviewing our texting dialogue, and my heart starts beating very strongly in my chest. I set a timer and shove it in my back pocket. I decided to go with an outfit that allowed me a lot of mobility black for stealthiness and completely covered with shoes that make a menacing clicking sound as I walk on the concrete floor. Leather gloves for that authentic serial killer look and feel. My tools are lined up and ready to go on a medical tray beside the table. The overhead anchor point dangles teasingly over the floor drain. The only light in the room is attached to my forehead as a headlamp. 
I step up onto a small stool that I've placed beside the door so I'm at his height. I take a breath and swing open the door. Dick squints, shielding the sun from his eyes. Before they have a chance to adjust, I pull a black cloth hood over his head and yank him inside with all my might. I swiftly kick the door closed behind us and jump on his back in one fluid motion. I put him in a chokehold with his neck in the crook of my elbow. He explained to me that actual breath play might elevate his heart rate a little too much, so we decided on a blood chokehold. Cuts off blood to the brain, not air. His hands aren't occupied yet, so he lowers us to the ground pretty easily. He's putting up a fight, though. His grunts echo in the cool, dark room. My headlight bumping around is a really nice atmospheric touch as we tussle, almost like a disorienting strobe. My legs wrap around his torso, and I hold on as tight as I can manage with him trying to swing me off. He flails at me half-heartedly because his hands keep alternating up towards his throat. This indecision eventually results in his demise. See Dick choke. I feel him get weaker, but I do not relent. After about 30 seconds, he gives up the struggle. Out cold. I take a quick moment to gather my own breath and adjust my headlight with my elbow. I smell his hair while I have him in this position. A fresh scent, some sort of fruity shampoo. If someone was looking at us from the outside, if the windows weren't blacked out, I mean, it might appear to be an affectionate embrace. But the moment I let go, he'll resume consciousness. So I have to do this next bit fast. My phone's timer goes off, which means it's go time. I've preset cuffs and ankle cuffs beside the door, both attached with spreader bars, so I carefully let go of Dick's neck and move quickly to affix them to his body. I hear him gasp awake under the hood, but he doesn't have the energy for another fight quite yet. I work fast. Finishing with the cuffs, I roll him onto the small cheap rug that I've preset. Once he's on top, I yank the rug, using it to slide him over to my pulley system. He's stirring, but not feeling strong enough to make an escape. I attach his cuffs to the anchor point and pull like hell until he's upright. He promised to help me with this part, and he eventually stands under his own strength. I attach several carabiners to keep him hanging there. I remove my headlamp and turn on the single bare light bulb above his head. The scene is set. I grab a pair of rusty scissors and dramatically rip off the hood. Comfy? I ask. After a moment, The metal from the cuffs clinking overhead, he mutters, Who are you? The last person you will ever see. He doesn't respond. Oh, don't think so? I hold the scissors to his throat. He flinches. No. Really? Because it seems to me like I'm the one holding the scissors. I press the blade harder into his neck. And you're the one handcuffed to the ceiling. Why am I here? I ask the questions. Do you like pain? No. Lies. I tap him hard on the cheek with the scissors closed blade. I hear that you're a disgusting pervert. No, I'm not. No? I draw the blade down his stomach towards his crotch. I hold it there close enough that he can feel the blade against his dick through the jeans. I hear that you're into all sorts of perverted shit. Well... I mean, he starts to protest. I begin walking slowly around to the back of him. I, I'm not hurting anyone. 
aren't you? I ask slyly. I grasp the back of his shirt and begin cutting a slit down the entirety of it. I need his back available for this next part. He tries to get away from what's going on behind him, trying to turn to see what I'm doing. The shirt billows open, its jagged pieces flopping uselessly. I slowly run my glove hand over the soft skin there. I have another urge to smell him. I have consent to do the things I do, Dick answers. I noiselessly pick up my bullwhip and get myself into position. That is some awfully general talk, I remark, cracking the whip in the air. It's a deafening sound that echoes in the concrete room. He flinches, and there's a sharp intake of air into his mouth. See Dick gasp. And what about the things done to you? What about them? I crack the whip again. His whole body tenses at the sound. What sick fantasies do you have going on in your little fucking perverted head? I don't know. I whip him on his upper back with medium intensity. He groans. A pink welt immediately begins to develop. You don't know? On the contrary, I think you spend an awful lot of time thinking about revolting scenarios. Don't you? No? Liar. I whip him again. The mark crosses with the other. I'm reminded of something we used to say in childhood. Cross your heart and hope to die. I think that they invade your daily thoughts, I go on. I think it can be quite hard for you to get anything done without getting... hard. Another sting of my whip. He lets out a guttural moan, and it sounds so delicious I could almost eat it. It gives me an uncontrollably pleasurable shudder. That's not exactly true. No? I stand poised with the whip. I can be productive. In bursts. Really? Without thinking about someone shoving needles between your toes, I whip him. Without thinking about being a human toilet, I whip him again. Without thinking about someone stopping your heart, I amp up the intensity on my strike, breaking the skin this time. His body wants to buckle over in pain, but the restraints hold him in place. Fuck. Jesus. I cluck my tongue. Such a dirty mouth. I whip him again, even harder. This one cuts too. I'm creating quite the design on his pristine back. Shit, fuck. I slowly walk around to the front of him, letting my heels click against the floor as I do so. I can hear him breathing heavily, his chest expanding and contracting. It's so fucking hot. We make eye contact for a brief moment, and I swear I catch him smiling. Dick, you sick fuck. Something funny? I ask innocently. He shakes his head convincingly, which, I determine, is the perfect time to take out one of my metal toys. I waltz over to the medical tray and pick up a spiked cock ring. There's a hinge and a lock on the other side. It's not terribly uncomfortable, unless you get hard, that is. I flash it his way. Are you sure? I press. He starts frantically nodding. Hmm, I tease. I don't know if I believe you, I say while unbuckling his pants. They won't come right down because of the spreader bar, but I need just enough room to get this thing on. He squirms annoyingly. Now, now, let's not make this harder than it has to be. Eventually, I manage to lock him in, 
probably pinching his penis in the process. I step back to admire my work. There, a perfect fit. I feel like he could look a little more miserable though. I think it's time to. What do you want? He asks, disrupting my thoughts. That's easy. I want you to suffer. Why? Dick. Dick, dick, dick. I think you know the answer to that. No, I don't. Then I'll show you. I bend down and slowly, deliberately remove one of my shoes. I hold it in my hand and watch his eyes just devour it. You like my shoes? I improvise. No, he lies. Really? Because I bet that if I make you smell one, you might have a little predicament on your hands. No, I won't. Willing to bet your life on that dick? I ask as I place my shoe over his nose and mouth, gently pressing the back of his head, stroking his curly hair. He whines like a dog. Shh, shh, it's okay. I know. Then I see him wince a bit. Has that cockering feeling, hmm? Fuck. God. God stopped listening to you a long time ago, didn't he, Dick? He smells again and reacts in pain, grunting. What's that? Something uncomfortable? I press the shoe harder against his face. His eyes roll back for a moment and then another squeal of pain. God fucking damn it! Poor, disgusting dog. You thirsty? Hmm? I remove the shoe. He swallows. He doesn't nod, but I can tell his throat is dry. I limp across the room to retrieve my preset cup. He watches me warily the whole time. I make a point of looking very sweet and unassuming. Here, I say, holding it up to his mouth. He locks his lips closed. Drink! He won't drink. Go ahead, I insist. He shakes his head no like a child refusing to eat their mushed peas. So I grasp his cheeks in one hand, holding his mouth open, and pour the glass of warm piss down his throat with the other. He gags a bit and chokes, the remainder spilling down his torn-up shirt. Jesus fucking Christ, he says through pathetic coughs. If you keep up that language, I'm going to have to punish you for it. Fuck you, he says, spitting in my direction. My jaw drops in shock. How dare he? I'm on him in a second, delivering a swift kick to his testicles and the spiked cock ring. See Dick buckle. He yells out and his fists want to punch something. He's really asking for it. He said he'd brat me if he wanted the intensity upped. I hastily rip off my sock and shove it into his mouth. A strip of silver tape to hold it in. Better? I ask to a pathetic muffled answer. I stroke his face with my leather glove. His eyes are yearning for it, and I'm dying to give it to him. I kiss the tape across his mouth. I turn on my phone's timer again, and I take out the cattle prod. Dick has explained to me that any type of electronic stimulation can make either his pacemaker or defibrillator malfunction. That essentially, a part of his heart is dead, and without these devices, it cannot sustain his life for very long. If he gets struck by lightning, he is doubly dead. If he plays with Easton, he could be singly so. This thought, at one time, crippled his confidence to the point of having almost no exercise, sex, kink, or masturbation over the span of several years after his heart surgery. 
anything that elevated his heart rate, Dick stayed away from. He's recently come to the conclusion that he wants to play how he wants to play, and if that's going to end his life a little sooner, then so be it. I place a stethoscope around my neck and carry the cattle prod over to Dick so he can see. I turn it on, and it creates a dazzling display of sparks accompanied by a loud crackle. It's quite impressive in the darkness. See Dick sweat. I walk over to him, and even without the stethoscope, I can tell that he's freaking out. His breathing is quickened, his large chest moving up and down at a frantic pace. I swear, five new beads of sweat just broke his hairline. He nods slightly, silent now, except for his labored nose breathing. He doesn't take his eyes off the implement. Thought you could sass me without any consequences, did you? I rip off the remainder of his t-shirt, exposing his chest. Swear at me? Spit at me? I press the button on the prod again, sending sparks flying behind me. I come closer, very close to him now. I get right in his space, invading it. I let a gloved hand softly dance over his bare pecs, and it drifts back up to his neck, which is still a little red from when I choked him out. His fear is intoxicating. It's palpable. If I could live here, I would. He's whining now, behind the tape, begging me. See Dick beg for his life. Do you think I can let you and your disgusting ways live? I place the stethoscope's earbuds in my ears and listen to his poor, broken heart and its deadly, accelerated beating. Lub-dub, 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 lub-dub. Dick is shaking his head, chest heaving like an uncontrollable sob. I turn on the prod again and the fireworks shoot into the air. Lub-dub, 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 lub-dub. He's pleading now. I can hear him beyond the ear set. I place my finger to his lips, telling him to be quiet. He obeys. I listen again, and it shows no sign of slowing down. Lub-dub, 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 lub-dub. The tears start to fall trying to scream through the sock and the tape. Muffled screams are one of my favorite sounds. I circle my prey one last time. I let his protests go unanswered in the dank, dark basement. Yes, Dick, this is where your story will end. This is where you will cease to exist. I let the cattle prod zap its shocking display proudly into the air while I'm still in his peripheral vision. His cries echo throughout the room. There is no way to get away from them. This is where you will die, Dick. This is where I will murder you. Because someone as disgusting as yourself cannot be allowed to walk among the rest of us. But as soon as I drift around behind him, I drop the batteries out of the prod and into my hand. I come back around the most fantastically depressing vision of a man I've ever seen. I'm at the same time a puddle of arousal and swollen with the pride to have facilitated this. I whisper goodbye into his ear and raise the cattle prod above my head. His entire face drops, sniveling, exhausted, accepting of his fate. I touch it to his bare, gorgeous chest with a flourish, and absolutely nothing happens. 
I flash him the empty battery compartment and the loose batteries in my other hand. I throw the prod aside, rip off the tape, and remove the sock from his mouth. Color is starting to return to his face. Whew, he gasps. We stand there together, not touching, but close, for what seems like ten minutes. You feel okay, I eventually offer. Yeah, he says through heavy breaths. Like, I knew you were going to take the batteries out, but I didn't really know, you know? My phone's alarm goes off from my pocket. I take it out and turn it off. Looks like I could have kept you going another couple minutes. Jesus Christ, he sighs, satisfied. Maybe next time. I carefully take him down, grabbing him a blanket, new shirt, granola bar, and a glass filled with actual water, all while smiling to myself. Next time. Well, I hope you enjoyed the Patreon preview, everybody. Once again, if you want to head down to patreon.com slash the bedpost show, you're going to find uh, stuff like that. And oh, so much more. Patreon's been going for quite a few years at this point. So like if you sign up now, there's just like a lot. There's a lot of content. Uh <laughs> so very much um as always i want to thank the lovely lady who does all the original music for my podcast even though um the scoring for uh some of the story is is obviously not steph copeland it might be someone else you recognize (laughs) um stephanie copeland you can find out more about her stephcopelandmusic.com um as always, you can find me on Twitter at the Pim one or you can go on over to Instagram. I'm at the Pim or at the Bedpost Podcast. Our YouTube channel is called The Bedpost Show. Um, oh, I have the TikTok that people are finding me on now, which is kind of fun. I'm at the Pim there. And yeah, that's about all I can think of. And we will see you next week with another fun and sexy guest here on the Bedpost Podcast talking about sex and sexuality. Right back to our usual programming, everybody. Until then, get fucked. Goodbye.